Again, good morning. Uh, it's great to see everyone this morning. Again, I want to say uh, welcome to those of you who are uh, joining us online. We're so grateful uh, to have you worship with us. Um, about half of our folks are still worshiping online, so I just think it's important to remember that, um, and we want you to feel connected. And so we're grateful for the technology, but know that we love you, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us wherever you are this morning. Um, I'm excited this morning we're continuing our uh, four-part series, Essential Practices. We thought this would be a great way to start the new year by talking about what are kind of the essential disciplines or practices uh, that can help us in terms of really connecting with the Lord this year, really walking with Him uh, through whatever we may face uh, in the months ahead. And what we've done is each week we looked at a different practice, and we've heard from a different member of our community, and that's one of the things I've been really excited about um, uh, is that this, uh, this month we're getting to hear from uh, folks in our church family because God's given them uh, insight, uh, both through his word and through their experience, and it's also something that's a passion of theirs. And so I'm excited to welcome Craig Dawson, a good friend and uh, brother, to come and share. He's going to talk this morning with us about the practice of prayer, how to pray. And so would you all give uh, Craig a big round as he comes? Thanks, brother. All right, good morning. Prayer, that is his own prayer. The kingdom of God begins and ends in the place of prayer. Prayer is everything. It's where it starts, that's where it ends, and it's all in between. It's all about your communion, your relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's what we're talking about today. Point one, it's like the ten virgins, get oil. Build your prayer life, gain a history in God. In this message, all three of those things, thank you, are the same thing. Get oil, build your prayer life, gain a history in God. What I'm going to be talking about today, that's, those are basically synonymous. That's point one. Point two, prayer is not for the faint of heart. This is a war, and in war there are real casualties, okay? There are real consequences. There's real disappointments, there's real hurt, there's real pain. But it's worth it. Stay in the game. Don't give up. A lot of people are really like, and should be, blown away by what's happening in our country today. I don't care whether you're on the right or the left. Our country's in tatters, and we need Jesus. And no man is going to solve this problem, I'm convinced. It takes God or nothing. I mean, God doesn't show up. We're done as a country. That's my personal belief. And if you're not there, that's fine, but we need prayer, okay? Uh, Third point is, put, but God is good and God wins. So there may be some disappointments in prayer, but we win, all right? Don't lose sight of that. And today's message is not intended to be perfect theology. I'm not going to uh, wow you with my amazing theological acumen, uh, but that's not the point. I might miss it from a theological perspective, okay? But the point is, I want to provoke you to pray more. If that's the end game, I'm good with that, okay? And that's awesome. All right, so, uh, good, it's going better than we started. Okay, so, uh, uh, did, David, did David choose the right man, man to speak about this, this topic? Well, uh, we're seeing about that, aren't we? Um, but James 5, uh, there's a scripture that will help us discern this, uh, whether he chose wisely or not. James 5.16, 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's kind of how I know it. Uh, A little more of the passage from New American Standard. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So, here's a little story whether you judge uh, how effective my prayers are. Uh, I was in a place in Kansas City years ago where it it was a prayer house, a place where this community of people prayed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it wasn't like a quiet monastery type prayer. It was full-on worship bands, at least twice as big as the one we have here. Every two hours, the worship band would change, and it was like that 24-7, and we pray in the midst of all the worship. It didn't stop, and it's been going on like that for, I think, about 20 years now. Okay, it harkens back, if you know, to the Moravians and their 100-year prayer meeting and all that. Um, But uh, one day... I was kind of cold in the prayer room, so I went outside to pray, and I was just pacing outside the prayer room. I could still hear the loud music. I could still hear the prayers. And this uh, Melody Green walks out of the prayer room through a car. Melody Green is the wife of uh, Keith Green, who passed away in 82. He was a worship leader. He was a radical, passionate pursuer of Jesus, and he was calling people to do radical things. He had a radical lifestyle, and his music, if you listen to it today, it sounds kind of cheesy, but if you really listen to it, it's really still super powerful. Um, but anyway, he died a long time ago. His wife was there, this community, and I saw, and she'd been having a hard time with various issues. So I started walking to a car, and so I was just full of prayer, and I just started praying for the Lord, bless Melody, bless Melody today, protect Melody, you know, uh, praying for her health, for her finances, for her just a blessing God would open up the heavens, pour out his love on Melody Green. And I'm telling you, I'm watching her, and I'm actually watching her praying, Lord, pour out your blessing on this woman. And she backs out of the parking lot and smashes into a car coming along down the, down the parking lot. <laughs> so, so my prayers are not necessarily that effective. So it's questionable whether I'm a righteous man whose prayers are effective. So I'm not sure that David picked the right man for this job. But uh, I will say that when he asked me, I thought, he said, okay, we talk on prayer. And that sort of hit me like, really, prayer? Uh, is this like a, a six-month mini-series that you're giving me? Uh, so now you have, you know, 15 minutes to talk about prayer. I'm like, okay, well, that's like asking someone to talk about marriage, in 15 minutes. Like, really? Who here is an expert of prayer would like to come up here and talk, give, give all the wisdom about marriage in 15 minutes? So it's just not going to happen. So I'm, this message is basically doomed to fail because I'm not about to give you all there is to give you as uh, far as prayer is concerned. But I think marriage is a really unbelievable example because what is marriage? All right? First off, you have to get to know the one you just married. Um, How do you do that? You begin to communicate with that person. And it takes a lot of communication. And it takes actually real openness of the heart to share what you're really feeling, not just what the other person wants to hear, but what's really going on in your heart. And then the other person has to really receive that and really respond back open to get communication going. And what happens when you get that kind of communication? Well, I don't know about you guys, but at least... In my experience, there's some conflict that often happens there. I will say, if you're one of those few couples who have never had a conflict in your marriage, I'm not convinced you're actually married, to be honest with you, okay? 
But if you are, I, I, wow, good job, or you need to open up. I don't know. Um, okay, so um, we're going to start with a reading on marriage. It's Matthew 25. So we already read this, but I'm just going to read it. Uh, my, my, my intention today is to read a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to go super deep into them, but I'm going to hit them from the highlights and the perspective that I'm coming from today. And then I'm going to tell just some stories from my personal uh, walk with the Lord. We'll see how that comes out. So um, the kingdom of heaven will be compared. This is uh, Matthew 25, starting at verse 1. The kingdom of heaven... I'm reading out the New American Standard, will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So these are all virgins. They're pure. This is like a picture of people that love Jesus that are going out to meet meet him. All right? They They are watchful. They're expectant. They are on their way. Okay? They're not asleep at the switch, at least not yet. All right, five of them were foolish and five of them were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks in their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Pause there. You got to get oil, you got to bring enough to the game. How do you get oil? All right, what is oil? Oil is your history in God, your experience in God. It's your prayer life. Okay, it is how you... Have you had some conflict? Have you had some offense at God and worked through it? All right. What is your prayer life like? Or do you have a history in God? Because if you don't have enough of that, you're going to try to go buy some later and, you won't, and, and your friend can't lend you theirs. If you don't have a deep well in God when crisis comes, David can't give you his. I can't give you mine. Your spouse can't give you hers. They can support you. But when it all comes down to it, you got to have your own oil. You got to have your own history. You got to have your own prayer life. And while they were going away to make the purchase, so this purchase, it's a purchase. It's costly. It takes time. It takes resources. It's not easy. The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered truly, and this is a shocking statement. This is the statement that if you begin to meditate it on, dwell on it, the fear of the Lord will begin to bubble up in your heart, and that's a real good thing. He says, open up to us, truly I say to you, I do not know you. These were people pursuing God in the beginning. 
and they waited so long, he just didn't come when they expected. He didn't come in the way that they expected. He didn't come at the right time. And, and so they kind of lost their way. They fell asleep. Is your relationship with the Lord, do you get lulled to sleep? Or is it vibrant? Is there fire involved in your passionate relationship with Jesus? Uh, so getting oil, gaining oil, how do you do it? Uh, it's, it's really just the history of God. And I, and I want to say this, um, one aspect, it's only one, but it's one I'm going to just m- mention today because I think I've never heard anybody else talk about it, so I figure I might as well do it, um, is the whole idea of being offended at God, being disappointed, and, and, and that's a real thing. Okay, it can be a real thing, and we have to get over it. Um, so one, of the, one, one scripture is uh, from Proverbs 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so you can't lose your way, but keep reading. But desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Okay, so we need to change our, we need to focus on desire fulfilled is one of, one of the ways that we need to do this. Focus on desire fulfilled, which is focusing on him. The end of our prayers is not the answer we're looking for. The end of our prayers is a man named Christ Jesus. So if we're seeking him, and we ask, we are seeking things, we want to see what is your heart in this situation, Lord? And if we're always seeking his heart in this situation, and we're seeking to know him, we get to know him better, we still win, whether the prayer gets answered in the exact way we want it to or not. Okay? So I'm going to tell you a little bit of story in my own regard about this. Um, so and this, this really hits close to home. It hits close to home with, with today, um, with Randy Rhodes. It hits home with another member of our congregation who, who passed a couple of years ago, uh, Charlie Hermes. But it, um, this, is, this happened before that. This is a different experience. So I was in Kansas City, and my roommate had uh, been healed of cancer. He had a brain tumor, and he had gone to a revival service somewhere uh, in Dallas. And that tumor, somebody prayed for him, and the tumor disappeared, and they couldn't find it on the, on the, on the scans, and, and he was healed. And for... I think it was two or three years he walked in um, as a healed man, no cancer. You know, you still see the scar where they, you know, tried to find the, the tumor, and he was, he was healed. Uh, and then he got cancer again. I, I can't describe that. I can't, I can't make that into a theological box. But he got it again. And we as a community, praying night and day, we began to just, as we call it, turn the prayer cannon on Luke. And we prayed for Luke. And uh, Luke would come daily to the house of prayer for a specific prayer, for just, you know, set-aside prayer. Uh, he, for, he battled for, I don't know, it was a year or so, and at the, toward, toward near the end, so just spoiler alert, doesn't turn out well. Near the end, we were, um, we actually, he moved to an apartment and we had a, a worship team worshiping in his apartment 12 hours a day. 
praying for him. Crying out for his healing. And I am, uh, at the time, was actually on, I led a healing team in the morning at 6 a.m. for for businessmen. And one morning I'm walking to the prayer house to lead my team to pray for people for healing. And on the way there, I get the call. Luke died last night. So I have, you know, three minutes to gather myself, walk into my, to have a team meeting that morning before we start our prayer time. And I said, okay, guys, guess what? I got bad news. Luke died last night. And I said, but here's the deal. There are people coming in this morning that want us to pray for them for healing. And we got to somehow muster up faith to pray for them. And I said, you know, if a man or if anyone walks in this morning with cancer, we got to pray for them. And I kid you not, the very first man... first man that came in and sat down in my prayer room was a man who said, I just got diagnosed with cancer. And I'm like, okay, here I go. I'm the mighty man who can't pray for Melody Green to like not have a car accident. And my friend has just died. And with Jesus, I know your heart is to heal this man. So we prayed for him. But in that moment, it was what I felt like God saying was, you may have lost the battle, but we win the war. Keep fighting. You got to keep fighting. And I told that story before, and it messed with somebody's theology. My, my, my point is not to try to mess with your theology about whether it's God's sovereignty or free will of man, all that stuff. My point is, you got to get back in the game, okay? You got to get more oil. You got to get a history in God. Because, yeah, for my history in God, yeah, that didn't go so well. But what I gained was, God said, get back up. He didn't, yes, there is a time and place for, for grieving and all that, and this is just my story, but... He said, get back in the fight, okay? And there are real consequences to this. This is real stuff. Get back in the game. Um, Okay, so uh, I'm going to read another scripture. Um, This one is 1 Samuel 14. This is the one that uh, Carter read for us this morning. Thank you, Carter. I think he was pulled into the service last moment there. Um, and 1 Samuel 14, and I don't know if we'll read, we won't necessarily read the whole thing again, but there are some things in here I want to point out. Um, one is, I'll just have to retell the story a little bit. The story is, there are two armies, you've got the Israelites under King Saul, and you got the Philistines. They're on opposite sides of this crag, this big giant ravine. 
And Saul and the army is, I don't know what they're doing. They're just hanging out, certainly not fighting. Um, Jonathan looks over at the army, other army on the other side of the, of the ravine and it says, who are these uncircumcised sorry suckers who have these, you know, idols and we have the living God of Israel and we have promises and this is our land. Like, are you kidding me? Are we really going to sit here and let them sit over there? This is ours. I know the heart of God. Okay, I know his promises. I am not going to sit here and let this happen. So he turns to his armor bearer and says, we're going to go take him. Are you with me? Just you and me. His armor bearer says, whatever's in your heart, I got you. We all want friends like that. So, and then he does this crazy thing. Like, he knows the heart of God, but he, he's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, here's what we're going to do. Here's my plan. We're going to step out and reveal ourselves to them. Presumably there were archers up there. I don't know. You could have been shot, killed. It wasn't like it was not risky. Okay, this is, we're putting our lives on the line here. We're going to step out, and we're going to say, here we are. And if they come down to fight us, we're going to stand our ground. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're not giving up. But if they say, come up here, that's the sign. The Lord has given them into our hands. This is not without risk. They do it. They don't know what's going to happen, but he knows the heart of God. That's the point. Do you know the heart of God? And, and so they step out, and they say, come on up here. He goes, okay, we got this. Really? Okay. So they start climbing up the ravine, and at any point, climbing up this steep ravine on their hands and knees, they could have been shot with an arrow. They could have been head whacked off if they're getting up, the, up to the ridge. They got all the way up, and who knows what those people were thinking up top. But they went in and they killed them all. There was like, it was 20 of them. And then the rest of the army woke up, and they came out and, and routed and won the day. So my point in saying all that is, why, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, that is, has everything to do with prayer, because... Jonathan knew the heart of God, and in prayer, you're seeking the heart of God. You're seeking relationship. Jonathan had a relationship with his God, and he knew what the right answer was. Okay? And so, and he also had such a heart that he was going to do, even if he died, he was going to fight. So there were real consequences, and the Lord gave them into their hands. I mean, we need men like that today fighting for our country. We need Jonathans who say, who are these folks fighting against my God? I want to step into the fight. All right? And I'll, I might... Uh, I'll just say it now. So it's like my favorite song. Uh, John Fogarty, center field. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I got to play today. I got to be center field. I want to be in the middle of the fight. I don't care if there's crosshairs from the enemy on my chest. I want to be in the game. And that's about your prayer life. It starts, everything in the kingdom of God begins and ends in the place of prayer. You have to know the heart of God. So I, I really hated saying this, so I know this is going to offend somebody, and I'm sorry. I'm going to try to, try to say it in a way that's, that we can receive. Uh, hopefully you get my heart. Sometimes 
when you say, if it be thy will, Lord, that's all you got, and that's okay, because you really, you're fighting the heart of God, and you just, you just thought, if it be your will. But so many times, if it be your will, God, prayer's kind of a cop-out. Like, it's really, there's really no risk involved. Whatever, Lord, whatever you say. And you'll never be offended at God if you pray prayers like that. You just won't be offended because you really haven't put yourself out there. Eh, if it be your will. Uh, whatever. Okay, whether this person gets in a car accident or, or this person dies, you know, whatever. It's, it's your will, God. Arresting your sovereignty. And there is truth to that. But there is a heart of God where we know his heart and we pursue his heart and we pray, pray bold prayers that matter, that make a difference. You might win, you might lose, but you seek the heart of God. Um, okay, so I'm going to say another quick story uh, about prayer, and this one is more fun, uh, at least I think so. So uh, I was, I had moved to Kansas City, I just got there, and the Lord had been pounding this scripture in me, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. I think you preached on that a couple of weeks ago. Be still and know that I'm God. And so I get there, and I move into this apartment, and I am there. I've been in ministry for, you know, seven or eight years, and I'm, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just I'm spent, and I'm basically on a sabbatical. And that's where I really helped the Lord leading me into this sabbatical. And... I was going to study real hard. I was going to get to know Jesus real hard. I was going to do it all right and just come out strong and just go, you know, um, take my mountains for Jesus. And uh, what happened was I got up the first morning to, to begin to study all of the techniques that Jack, you know, talked to us about last week, which are good. And this is not a knock against any of that because that's all super important. But this is just my story and there's seasons for everything. I sat down that morning to start to start studying, God said, I don't want you to read your Bible right now. Just be still and know that I'm God. And I said, okay, 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 I got that. So I started pacing my apartment. Okay, Jesus, I had come from ministry in the inner city, and I'm praying for all the kids that I knew, and I'm praying for the grandmothers, and I'm praying, Lord, for my family back at home. I said, he broke in, he says to me, Craig, I don't want you to pray right now. I want you to be still and know that I am God. Like, okay. As a Christian, what I do is pray and read my Bible. What else is a Christian? I don't know, God. Okay, so I'll go sit on the couch. I didn't know what else to do. So I sat on the couch. I sat on the couch for a month. Uh, I mean, literally, it was, and it sounds crazy, but it was actually the best time of, of my life. Um, it's because... I was sitting there, and I wasn't, well, I had this expectation in my heart. And, and, and it, I had this expectation that literally that, God, that Jesus was going to walk through my door and come into the room. I mean, that was my expectation level. And I just, and I would, I would be sitting there like awake. I, I, I kind of, in the afternoon, I'd get up late. I'd say in the afternoon, I'd kind of sit out maybe in the sun, and in the sun, um, in a chair, and then I'd, Someone would go down and light a candle, and I'd just, I'd just sit there and stare at the candle expecting Jesus just, you know, to do something. And uh, at one point in all of that, I began to 
one night just for whatever I was, I don't know, I was going to get something to eat in the kitchen or going to the bathroom or whatever, but I stood up from my chair. I'm standing up. It is out of my heart. I wasn't expected. I said, I love you, Jesus. And I had to sit back down. And I'm like, wait a second. That was real. Like, I didn't say that because I was preaching to a bunch of people. I said, I love God. Or I wasn't praying, Jesus, I love you. But God, teach me to love you more. I really need to love you. I'm trying, and I'm, but I do. And I wasn't wrestling with God and trying to express. But it was just the, the outflow of my heart. It was there. And I sat down and I said, thank you, Jesus. Finally, all this head knowledge is beginning to sink down into my heart, and I'm actually falling in love with you. And it was awesome. And so, no, I didn't get him walking in the room, but in some ways I got something just as good or better because I got a knowledge in my history with God that when it comes underneath everything, all my screw-ups and all my stuff, that I, I know that I love God. And it's real. And, um, and you can't take that away. That's, that's my, my history. And so that's part of me going back to the ten virgins. Like that's the oil that somebody else isn't going to take away. Um, that's part of my testimony and my story. So really all that is that was a risk. There was definitely a risk in my doing that. I, I didn't, I, I went to take a year off sabbatical with, uh, no income coming in. I didn't know how I was going to fund it, and the Lord just paid for it. That's another story for another day. Um, but you take a risk. You get to know his heart. You know his heart, and then you leave the results and answers up to him. And so my encouragement today is just to, uh, well, let me just say this. If, disappoint, if Disappointment can be normal. Disappointment may happen. I think disappointment probably should happen if you're praying bold prayers. Okay, it's somewhere along the way. It's a maturation process. It's a getting to know your spouse. It's a getting to know Jesus. It's getting to know his heart. Um, it is a war. And in Isaiah 55, it says his ways are above our ways. His ways are above our ways. So there is going to be there's some mystery. You're going to get some of it wrong. You know, um, we do need to stay in the word. We need to stay grounded, but find his heart. Uh, sometimes the 10-dimensional chess that God is playing is hard to figure out. So sometimes just obedience is the way to go. And we just got to say, yes, Lord. And we don't, but, but even in that, if he's calling us to a place where we have no understanding and we're just called to say yes, he's actually after our heart. That's what's happening in that situation. And as he's seeking our heart, we're getting to know his heart for us. So it all works out. Um, gain oil, taste and see that the Lord is good. I just encourage you that out of uh, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, build a history. Okay, I think I sort of got through it. Praise God. Okay, um, why don't we just uh, pray this morning? I don't really know what to pray. I just want. I just. I just want us to, or I'll pray. And I would love it if somebody joins with me. Uh, in prayer. We're just going to pray the Lord would come. We're going to pray that we know his heart and that he moves in our midst and that we take the mountains he has for us at Apostles.
then we slay the enemies that he has for us in our individual lives and us corporately and collectively. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for today. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength and your power. We thank you for your beauty, for your death on the cross that, from one perspective, was definitely not beautiful. It was ugly. But today we can say it was beautiful. Lord, give us our mountain. Give us our, our enemy that we are the one that, that the gates of hell will not prevail, you said. Where are our gates that we need to tear down? Give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. Warrior hearts to say yes and to step in the gap and to take risks and to move forward. We love you, Jesus.